0: Let's go back to Ephesians 2. Talk a little bit more about that. I want to try to finish up what I started last week. Micah, can you put, Micah Paul, can you put that last chorus up, Graves and Gardens? Go on to the Graves and Gardens part. All right. You, Lord, turn graves into gardens. Lord, it's your job, your work, to turn bones into armies. Lord, what you're doing is turning seas into highways, places we'd drown if we were on our own, and you're making a way. Because only you can do it. Put the next one up. Thank you, son. You turn mourning to dancing and give us beauty for ashes, shame into glory. You're the only one who can. I must confess that I sing this song and love this song. It's powerful. But I have sung it differently up until today. What I saw today, and this is just ever so slight a change in perspective for me, but I'm singing this song today, turning it out. Lord, turn their graves into gardens. Turn their ashes into beauty. Lord, make ways that they can't find a way. And do it through me. Do it through us. So that struck me, and it it fits so beautifully into what the Lord's been saying to me and having me share. So let's look at a couple of verses at a time here in Ephesians 2. Jump to verse 11. Therefore, remember, Tanya, there it is. He's saying that for a reason. He wants us to recall what life without him was and what it would have been. We talked about that a little bit last week. We'd have been a mess, and we look around this room and see anything but a mess in what God has done and is doing in so many lives, and it's a beautiful picture of his work and his heart. And he says, I want you to remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision... By the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. For generations, the Jews were God's people, God's chosen, and that was it. And imagine living close to these Jews and especially the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day and them holding you at arm's length and they're better than you and there's nothing you can do to get in. And that went on forever. And Paul's writing here, you need to remember what that was like because you didn't have any hope. The best that you could hope for is the best that you could do. All you had to hope for before Christ was whatever you could do of your own accord. So you had your own dreams, your own hopes. You were responsible for the heritage for your own family and what was to come and what you left. And it was all up to you. I would not want to live that way. I would not want everything to be up to me. And thank God in him we don't have to. And so everybody outside the Jewish community had no hope, no God, nothing except what they could do by their own hand. And so their only purpose was to do their best. So they're self-reliant. They're fully responsible for everything. And he said, you were in that condition. And that same is still true for us today. We were in that condition of hopelessness and nothingness. And then God came. He said, I want you to remember that you were separate from Christ and excluded. The heart of what I want to try to portray today is that what God has put in us is not just for us. And it's not just for those that we're comfortable with. It's not just for those that we're familiar with or that we can relate to or that we have a lot in common with. Jesus did not come and hang out with the people that he had things in common with. And he is still saying, and I shared this last week, but I'm going to share it again today. He still had him in us as himself in us now. And we bear light for people that are in the darkest of places. We bear in us health for those that are sick. We bear in ourselves because of Christ in us, we bear peace for the people that are full of torment. And torment of different kinds. We bear love for those that have been abandoned and don't know, have a clue what love is. They may be surrounded, but they're not loved. We bear direction for the aimless. And so I think God wants, I know God wants to remind us of what we were and what we could have been to begin to change our perspective for those who are in that place that we were because he loves them incredibly. Going down to verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross. By it, having put to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to those who were far away and to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And we'll come back to verse 19 in a minute. So a blood sacrifice of deity was made so that I could become his son, so that you could become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we enjoy all that that means. And we're grateful for it, and we live in it, and we come together and we express it. And the work that was done to give that to us had nothing to do, he said, with human hands, much although he was referring to the circumcision, was just done by human hands. He said, no, I'm doing something that has nothing to do with man's ability to pull it off. And he wants to come to the most hurting and to those that don't even know they're hurting. He's still there. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I, re- I remembered a couple of videos that I've watched on Instagram. You'll be, you know, you're scrolling along, and all of a sudden something will pop up. That, um, and so a couple of different ones. They start out and they show this dog in the street. This dog was found by someone, walked by constantly, ignored, and left for dead. Barely able to move, barely able to lift its head, couldn't eat or drink if you put it in front of them. And this person comes along and wraps them in a towel, lays them in their car, takes them and begins to nourish them, begins to slowly feed them, slowly give them medicine, slowly bring them back. Now, it goes through all that they do for these dogs, and I've seen three or four of these. But at the end, the dog is running around healthy, unrecognizable, nothing like the way it was in the street. That was us. Without Christ, that's our condition. And he came along and wrapped us up and loved us. And most of us, he did it through someone else. He had done that too. And he's still wanting to do that today. Through you and through me. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 5, but leave your hand in Ephesians. Jerry, thanks for sharing this last week. I want to read it again. 2 Corinthians 5 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. And we love that, right? We're grateful for that. Amen? Amen. There you are. I hope you are. We are ambassadors for Christ as through God, I'm sorry, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So not only did he reconcile us, he gave us the gift and the ability and the the life to reconcile others. He's inviting us to a spiritual procreation and participating with him to bring others and to be the avenue of life and that source of hope and that source of peace and that source of whatever he's wanting to give because he knows He's inviting us to play along, to be that gift. As we think about the, the rescue dog, I realized, just this thought hit me, and I've got it in bold here on my paper, that Jesus in us does not fixate on the condition but is completely attuned to God's love and power to redeem and reconcile. How many people walked by that dog and ignored it? How many people have we walked by and brushed against throughout life, day in and day out, sometimes the same ones over and over again, never being aware of what God may be doing? And I think God just wants to raise the awareness, guys. He just wants to put it in us, not to try to fix and save the world, but to be aware of where he's at work and join Him in the world. And that's why Paul says in verse 11, Remember, because I need to rejoice, find great pleasure, and always remembering that I was made a new creature, and the creature that died needed to die and enjoy, through awareness of what he's done, enjoy what he is in me and who he is in me. Now, here's how that's important. This is another statement that, I hope we can grasp and let God massage into our hearts. If you're not grateful for your life now and not hopeful for his transforming work into his image, how will you see the lost and the hurting and dying with his perspective that you have what they need? And let me repeat that. If you're not grateful for your life now, and you're not hopeful about his transforming work of you into his image, how in the world will you see the lost with his perspective that you have what they need? If I'm walking around, woe is me, and life's hard, and Nobody knows what I go through, and nobody appreciates me, and I don't know what's going to happen, and man, I just wish things were different. It's going to be so hard to become convinced that God in me has what they need. I want to encourage us to find a thankful heart. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the condition, regardless of situations and people and circumstances and jobs and bank accounts, find thankfulness. Because if we can't find joy in the journey that we're in with Him now and what He's making us into, we've got nothing to give. When in reality, you've got a lot to give. But you're not going to know it if you're not walking in that gratitude today. The fact is, if Christ is in you, you've got stuff in you that can turn them inside out, upside down. Imagine people coming into the kingdom and being able to sing the truth of what we sang today. All the songs. I wanted to preach every song we sang because I saw... The needy singing it, not the well. He said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. And the more thankful we are, the more we're going to recognize I'm, I'm pretty well. I'm doing pretty dadgum good. Yeah, there's hard stuff. Who doesn't have it? But I'm doing well. And then we've begun to realize that life in me can now be shared and given away. So imagine being joined by people that just come into the kingdom and they're reading these words and they're hearing what we're hearing and they're being touched by the lives just like we're being touched by the lives in this room. They need that, just like we need it. I want want you to do me a favor. Look around the room, and we're not going to go around or say this out loud. I just want you to look around the room and just remember who's had an influence. Remember who's touched you and made a difference in your life. Honestly, we could do that for the rest of the day. Some of us have been at this a long time with each other, some not as long, but even in those that are more short in their time here have just seen and experienced so much love and acceptance and family and depth and, and experienced the worship that God's bringing out of the team and others and just experiencing life in Jesus together. It's not ours to keep. It's ours to give away. Look at verse 19, back to Ephesians 2. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens and you're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also being built together and the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Jesus isn't through building the kingdom; he's not through expanding his influence; he's not through changing and touching new lives. He's continuing to build his work and to grow his work. I said a while ago. We're being invited into this process of spiritual procreation. That's how sons and daughters are born, It's through the influence that he has through us. Now, look, that doesn't mean that every time you go to H-E-B, everybody needs to fall out and cry out to God and be saved because you're there. Listen, we can get kind of tied up in knots. Lord, is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? I did that just the other day Jeremy and I went and had breakfast together at Acapulco's because everybody else in three counties is closed at 630 in the morning we went three places that were not open for breakfast at 6 flipping 30 in the morning so and that's after I had set all my bills on the hood of the car went back in the house came back out forgot about the bills took off they went all over the neighborhood and I'm driving down the road picking up stuff interesting morning And I'm sitting there talking to Jeremy, Boy, I'm talking to Jeremy, I did what I just said. Lord, is it that one? What are you doing? What is this? And finally, the Lord just said, talk to Jeremy. <laughs> oh, it's this one. Okay. Good. Good. See, this morning, Jeremy mentioned the cycles of grace. I think somebody else did before you brought it up in reference. But anyway. I just want to be at a place where I'm aware of where that grace is working. That's all I got to do. I don't have to pick out the guy that looks like the biker and go him Jesus loves you and wants to change your life and shave your beard and cut your hair. In fact, I got stuck on one guy at Acapulco's the other day and I thought, man, this is, this poor soul doesn't know anybody. He's by himself. And then on his way out, he's over there talking to Pam and Jim and, I mean, Pam and, and, and Ken and Marsha, like old friends. I'm like, okay, well, I missed that one. We don't have to get wrapped around the axle, guys. We just need to be so in tune with the Lord that when He says, Yeah, see this little cycle of grace I'm doing right here? Here's what I'm saying with this. Here's what I'm doing with this. I just want, so much want to be more a part of that because I want to be a part of this whole building being fitted and growing together. Guys, we're not the whole building. There's much more room for many more stones and bricks and windows and doors to be added. And I want to be a part of that. I want you to be. I want us to be a part of that together because that's his heart. This was an interesting statement. There are expressions of our father yet unknown and waiting to be released in our lives, in our families, and in our body through new saints that are yet to be born again. We hadn't seen all he wants us to see because he's got folks out there that he wants to bring near those that are far off, just like we were far off, those that are a mess and hurting and full of pain that are far off, and he wants us to be a part of the bringing them near so that when they are born into him, there is another new expression and opportunity for him to show himself in another different way. There might be another Justin out there. I hope many more. I hope a lot more. I'd even take a few more Randys. I'd take a hundred more Angies all day, long. Don't you want to know who they are and what Jesus has for us through them? Doesn't that kind of go off in you a little bit? Boy, it has me. So now we've gone through and we've seen God's heart for the lost. I want to go back to the first part of the chapter and read that now with a different set of eyes. So let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 2 in Ephesians. You were dead in your trespasses, trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. These are two of my favorite words in the Bible. But God. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love which he loved, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, not just kind of messed up, not just kind of hurt, not just broke a little bit, we were dead. Made us alive with Christ. And so as, I, as I'm reading through this first part of this chapter now, I'm saying, God, God, You did that for me, but you're still doing that work. You're still making them alive together with you. You're still adding stones to the building. You're still at work. I love verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of the grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is the thing the Lord said to me last night. He said... I still have those yet to come into the kingdom that I am going to flow through for ages to come. There are still people, generations down the road, that will know me because of what I want to do through the ones that I'm drawing near, and I'm drawing them near through the people in this room. I want to be a part of his work that he wants to do for generations that we'll never see, we'll never know, we'll never meet those people until the other side. But you know what? It doesn't mean it's not important. So he's still engaged in that work. And I love when he says in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. That's how others are going to come to know him through God working through us is just our awareness of where his grace is working. We don't have to go out and try to convince the world that Jesus is the answer. We don't have to go out and pound people with the Bible. We don't have to go out and have the answer for everything that they counter us with. We just need to cooperate where his grace is at work. Because it's his work, not ours. That's all I got. Take that to the Lord and see what he says to you personally about that, okay?